0: Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Today, I'm going to talk about understanding the hunger within you when you're trying to achieve wholeness. You can be starving in a land of plenty. Both the empath and the narcissist have a hunger, but they both deal with it. They each deal with it in very different ways. One of the first things that bound me to my narcopath was the familiar hunger that we both carried with us. It was as if our lives consisted of always standing outside the banquet hall, starved and emaciated, freezing in the rain and snow, not understanding why there was never space at the table for us, always needing nourishment, but receiving only crumbs. I knew he understood that hunger, and so I thought we were the same. But I am an empath, and he is a narcissist sociopath. Before I fully understood this dynamic, I knew that it was a match driven by something more powerful than we could resist. My narcopath ex-husband was empty in a way that was very different from my own emptiness. His quest for fuel and supply was insatiable and tragic, but I only required one source of this fuel and supply, and it was him. The constant need for external validation, for eyes and ears to hear and see me The thirst for attention and affection, the hunger to feast on their adoration, it all consumed him, his life, and destroyed his authentic self. He couldn't survive without his many sources of fuel and supply. And I just, I couldn't survive without him. He met all of those needs, but that was not true um, in return. We both had the same emptiness and we both felt invisible without some external source of validation. Without it, we would cease to exist. We would be unseen, unheard, and unworthy. Our value as individuals was contingent on feeding the starving inner child who did very little but just scream and cry all the time that she or he was hungry and needed to be fed. So they retreat to a place of forgetting, where they disappear into a false world, leaving behind everything and everyone. Out of fear and shame and desperation, he bound that little boy and sewed his lips shut and put a cloth around his eyes and stuffed his ears before silencing him forever in a dark oubliette, a place of forgetting. After essentially disposing of his little boy inner self, his true, authentic, true self, and doing this for his own survival, his own self-preservation, and just the amazing adaptability skills that he learned in the process, After doing all of that, he emerged with the most charming smile, dimples, and twinkling adorableness as a mask. And then he entered the world with all this charisma and charm one could possibly possess. The horrors buried deep inside, the cold corpse of his true self entombed and destroyed forever, all emotion effectively extinguished. He tackled the world. With this mask, this false um, persona, this false self that was not the true, real, authentic self that he tied up and bound and, and just extinguished. He eradicated that part of himself. He murdered him. I believe he murdered that little boy part of himself that was his true, authentic self. With a vacant space within and a chronic emptiness, he quickly adapted and easily learned. The hollow space was constantly demanding to be fed, so he figured out how to use his talents um, to procure food for this hunger. It fashioned him into a predator constantly on the hunt for food a sweet and kind predator who drains his victim dry in the most courteous and charming way possible. I've seen him rise from feasting, bloody chin, impish smirk, and disappear into the shadows of his own deception. You know, in the times that I've talked to him several times, three times after he left. There is nothing about the world that he currently resides in that is real. He has convinced himself of a complete alternate history. It's revisionist history. He's convinced himself of a completely false current present self. He's convinced himself of this of this um, reality that isn't real. He's delusional. He's, he lives through these illusions. It's magical thinking. And it's very common. Very common phenomena with narcissists, sociopaths, and even psychopaths to blur that line between fact and fiction, between reality and illusion and not know where the line is. It just kind of all gets stirred up together into one big toxic stew. And, you know, for the longest time, I knew this, but I felt sorry for him. And I thought, you know, he's been through some horrific things. And there's a sweet, kind, wonderful, smart, loving, adorable part of him in there. And I, if I can just help him nourish that part of himself and, and get rid of the toxic, dark, disturbing side of himself then everything will be okay but you know how can you help someone who doesn't believe they need help how can you do anything with a person who lives in a completely different reality with a completely different set of rules with a completely different set of everything they're just not going to believe you they don't uh hear what you're saying they don't see what you see they don't experience or feel any of the things that you do they can't they they just can't they're not capable so they fake and they mirror and they pretend so much that you know they even believe that their their own fantasies and um and and they this this target that they are using to acquire characteristics and personality um, traits from their target. That's what they do. They they mirror them and mimic them so that they reflect that person very much so. Because they don't really have uh, any true identity or self of their own. So they 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 hook up with these people and attach to them yeah, well, I'll get back to that in, in, a, in a minute. Um, so anyway, they um, it's the targets who help them fill in the blanks uh, and provide the identity that they can never possess. But eventually, uh, he needed to find a new source for feasting when the supply had nothing else to give. That was me. His intentions were never filled with malice or harm. He didn't intentionally want to make me suffer or hurt me. He doesn't even understand why I would feel that way. He seems so baffled and confused. Why? You know, the day he left, he said today, you can just choose to go ahead and move on and go out and be a single person and date and and be with other people and be free and just poof. In five minutes, just choose that and do that. (laughs) And I'm, you know, I was sitting there with just this jaw-dropping shock. Like, what is he saying? I have a 15-year marriage. I'm wondering what to make for dinner tonight and wondering if we're going to make it to the matinee movie. And you pop this thing about how now I'm leaving. I'm going to go now. I don't want to be with you anymore. like out of the blue. And my mind is still on these other things like the movie and what we're going to do for dinner. And then he's saying he's leaving and it doesn't even register in my brain. That's just incomprehensible. Like, did you fall and hit your head in the shower or you seem irrational? What are you talking about? You're leaving. Where'd that come from last night? Everything was fine. Um, but he had depleted me of the quality fuel. And you know what? That fuel comes in the form of adoration, affection, um, you know, attention, all of these things to build him up and say, Oh, you are the best. You're so handsome. Oh, you're so perfect. Oh, this is just wonderful. You know, somebody who's going to do that and, I guess I had done that all through the years. And every time he would do something horrible, I would say, we got to fix this. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. You're better than this. You can do better than this. Let's just go to therapy. Let's just send you back to SAA, Sex Addicts Anonymous. Let's just, you know, we can, we can remedy this because that's not who you are. This, this twisted, perverted, like weird, fantastical person who lives in some delusion, that's not really who you are. That's like part of like a problem that has is part of it's affecting you, but it's not who you are. And what I didn't know is that yes, it was who he was. And the part that was fake that was not who he was, was the part that was the loving, sweet and kind Person that he was to me, he was reflecting what I, my love that I had for him. He was just shining it back on me like a boomerang. He was just reflecting it back to me the same way that I looked at him. That this is forever love. I've got you. We're gonna ride this to the end, and I'm always gonna support you, and I am always gonna choose you, and I am always gonna love you. And I would look at him with those that with those feelings and he would reflect it back to me and it seemed so real I thought he felt the exact same way because he just bounced it off of himself back to me um, his intentions yeah his it, 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 he possessed no true emotions except contempt and envy underneath all of that reflecting and mirroring my forever love and all of that kind of stuff. He did not feel it. He had contempt. Um, He just had to feed uh, off of something to stop the hunger. And if there was any collateral damage that happened when he had to go out and do this and be a predator and do all that stuff then that's just how it had to be he had learned to survive by shifting the blame and making himself believe that everybody else was somehow victimizing him you know i remember he always used to talk about how everybody tries to rape him you know people in his family more than one rape stories how they tried to rape him or did rape him um like so many people all trying to rape him, all trying to take advantage of him in a sexual way. And I often wondered about that. Like, is that really true? Like all these people have, have done that to you? That just almost seemed too much to believe. But he has to make other people into what he is, the predator, the abuser the exploiter, the opportunist, the opportunist. He has to make others into those things because that's what he is. And he doesn't know that nobody's told him that that's what you are, buddy. You are a predator, a, you know, an opportunist. Uh, you're delusional. You exploit others. You take advantage of them and then you leave them. He doesn't, you know, maybe he knows it. There have been Times when he wrote down things in therapy and in SAA where he says, yeah, I have sociopathic tendencies. Yeah, I have sadomasochistic tendencies. Yeah, there's something wrong with me. He admitted it. And then he goes right back and he rewrites the whole story and like, "Uh, I don't know how old was I when I said that. I must have been too young to know what I was talking about or what I was doing. It must have been before I understood myself as deeply as I do now What? Those were moments where you were closer to the truth than you ever have been in your whole life. And now you reject that as fiction, like it never happened or that you were mistaken. No, I don't think so. I think those were breakthroughs in the therapy and in the Sex Addicts Anonymous meetings, in the 12-step programs. Those were breakthroughs where your honesty was shining through just a little bit, peeking through like light coming through holes in the darkness, right? Um, I think that's what that was. Uh, So, but, you know, he seemed to, he always thinks that he's such a good guy, so sweet, so helpful, so kind, so wonderful. And so that people should just be grateful to have someone like this around. He even told me this. You should just be thankful that you had me for 16 years. Really? Is that what you tell the wife that thought you were going to be together till the end of your days and hold your hands with each other as you were dying? You know, till the very end. Is that what you tell her? You should just be grateful that you had me for 16 years. Wow. A guy just gets hungry and has to feed. It's nothing personal for the narcissist or sociopath or psychopath. It's just a matter of survival. They have to have it for survival when you've been left behind and cast to the side like I was, you have no choice but to accept accept it um, and to turn inward and do the hard work that needs to be done to heal the source of your vulnerability and your own toxic programming. A healthy person would never have stayed for sixteen years all those things that he did along the way that were clearly like you know I cry foul. I, you know, this is criminal, this is, a, this is a boundary violation, this is a betrayal, this is cheating, this is uh, a bad thing. Normal people would have left. I didn't because I am not a healthy, normal individual. I have my own issues. And what are those issues? My little inner self, my little girl, the one that he murdered, his little boy. My little girl still lives and she is vocal. She is kicking and screaming and, and she's terrified. She's pounding on the door. Let me out. Let me out. I have not silenced her. I hear her all the time. And um, she's standing in the shadows and she is starving. And She wants to be fed and she is terrified and she wants to live and she wants to be seen and be heard. Her presence always carrying so much fear and shame and sadness, always lonely, oh my gosh, so lonely, and desperately seeking some intangible end to the pain. Her presence is always with me. It's always with me. But I didn't tie her or bind her or gag her or imprison her or into some remote oubliette, a place of forgetting. In order to effectively silence her through abandonment, thus murdering all of my emotions in the process. That's what he did. My emotions were amplified beneath the shield of stoic composure and resignation. Underneath my cool, calm, I got this, I'm always really together. My kids tell me sometimes, Mom, you're so strong. Huh, if they could just see what's underneath That facade of strength and courage. They would see that I have my inner self is uh, hemorrhaging, bleeding to death, screaming, crying, suffering, being tortured. Just it's horrific. That's what lives in me. That's what compels me. That's what drove me to stay with him for 16 years. So. I still have the feeling, the depth of all the feelings is still there. Um, some of these feelings are painful. So the only way that I found to silence them was to look outside myself. I learned to feed her. The people that raised both me and my ex-husband, they, they, they probably had their own emptiness. And their legacy was this hunger of the soul starvation of the self, this thirst for identity and wholeness that they never found. I know his mother, and she's still looking. And I know my mother, she died and she never found it. She never had it for a moment in her life. And she never stopped looking. And that's what they passed on to us, this generational curse. I call it the femme du cœur. Or hunger of the soul, hunger of the heart, rather, the femme de cour. We all possess it. Or rather, I should say, it possesses us to some degree. For some of us, it impairs our ability to function as healthy people in the world around us. So, this hunger, it isn't just something transient that comes and goes. It can have a ripple effect that's difficult to understand, a toxic effect on people, and it, and it leaves an indelible mark. Standing on the outside boundary, uh, looking in, has always been a soul-crushing consequence that lasts a lifetime. So what can be done to finally become whole and become seen and become healed? So here's 10 things I'm going to leave you with today to help you help your inner child to stop suffering and stop demanding things that you can't give him or her. Don't do what my husband did and just kill him. Just silence him. Don't do that. And don't do what I do. Constantly running out into the world, trying to find ways to placate her and failing every time, because that's my motivation for getting that external validation is I want her to stop crying. I just want her to feel at peace and calm and okay and just calm down and stop, stop with all of that. So here's some ideas. Number one, awareness, creativity, and re-scripting. Awareness, you need to be aware of that inner child, picture him or her, sit down beside them and have a conversation. Be creative. The more creative things you do, the more it helps them. And re-scripting. Your parents, your family scripted you for life. When you were a child, they wrote it and handed it to you and said, this is how it's going to be. This is how you're going to live and die. We don't have to accept that script, especially if it's toxic, especially if it's fatalistic and doomed to to fail. We can reject it and say, no, I'm going to write a new script. Number two, kinesthetic and spiritual repair. Um, There's a whole thing I would like to do about this. Um, Kinesthetic has to do with uh, touch and space and spiritual has to do with soulful things. And there's energy things and there's um, so many different modalities out there to help you heal these parts. But you can't ignore them. That's something to be aware of. Number three, name and stamp the feeling with love and acceptance. Don't deny it. Sometimes I want to tell my little girl, just stop. Stop talking. Stop crying. Just shut up. That's enough. Go stand in the corner. You have a time out. Do not come out of that corner until you can behave and you can stop being hysterical. These histrionics are killing me. You have to stop. Just shut up. Don't do that. Do not talk to your inner self that way. It's not going to get the result that you want. She can't. If she could manage herself, if she could control herself, don't you think she would? She can't. You have to figure out how to be the adult and how to help her. So name the feeling. Ask her, what are you feeling? Are you? Is it fear? Is it anger? Is it sadness? Name the feelings. What are you feeling? Tell me. Tell me what you're feeling and let me try to help you. And say, I accept this feeling that is negative and terrible and painful. I accept it with love as a blessing that's going to help me grow. I accept it and and I'm going to experience it and let it pass through me. Self partner and advocate for yourself. That's number four. Self partner, that's like being your own best friend. Quit looking for other people to do it outside of yourself. Learn to do it for yourself, with yourself, to yourself. Um, That's hard. So complicated. Advocate for yourself. Set boundaries. Defend your inner self. Defend her or him and and advocate and say, no, we're not going to have this. No, I have to protect this inner part, this inner voice, this inner piece of myself that is my core. It's my core, and I have to protect her, and I can't do this because that would put her in danger. Um, educate yourself about the abuser, number five. Learn about cluster B personality disorders and see if, you know, if you can figure out is the person you were involved with one of these people. It's hard enough to have a broken heart and to lose a marriage and to do that with people who don't have a mental illness. But if you have someone who's done this whole other thing to you because they are mentally ill, because they have a cluster B personality disorder. Um, If they have that, then this is not a regular breakup or divorce or end of a relationship and just a regular generic broken heart and going to a mental health professional who treats it as such is not going to help you and is going to do more harm than help. Learn, educate yourself. Number six, create healthy boundaries and build borders whenever necessary. Learn to say no. Learn to say, I can't do that. Learn to say, this is triggering me and making me uncomfortable. Learn to walk away. I've done that a couple of times. I'm getting pretty good at it. I meet people. And there's a red flag or there's something that that is a violation. And I just shut it down and I'm saying and I say, I'm so sorry. I'm very fragile. I cannot do this. I recognize this as being a threat to my inner core and to my values and principles and moral constructs and to who I am on a very personal level and I can't I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. And then I step away. I close the door, I lock the key, I throw it away. Done with that. Let's go into something else. Let's try something else. Number seven, cultivate resilience. You know, (laughs) I feel like I have that brittle bone disease where you fall and every bone just snaps like a twig. Um, I do have sort of like mild osteoporosis, which I'm sure is getting worse as we speak. And I have broken both my wrists about a year and a half ago, two years ago actually. I broke my wrist, I broke a toe about four or five months later. And then I broke my leg here about seven weeks ago. And yeah, when you fall, you have to get up. And if your bones are all broken, you can't get up. And if you do, you're hobbling around all crippled up for quite a while. Um, You have to be able to get up and take those falls without having all of your bones crumble. That's all I have to say about that. You have to learn to get up without having all the broken pieces in your body and soul. Yep, (laughs) you got to do that. Uh, Number eight, avoid triggers and build support, build a tribe, build people who have been through this, who understand this, who are educated about it and can help you and avoid triggers. Number nine, practice mindfulness, meditation, positive mantras. There's a kajillion things like this online. And number 10, feed yourself. Feed yourself. Because when you're hungry, that's what you have to do to fill in the gaps and the holes. I know it's hard work. I know it's terrible, but you have to do it. And you can't fix these people, but you can fix yourself. When you do, There will be real and healthy people waiting for you. That's how you attract them. You fix yourself first from the inside out. And I know you hear everybody say that. And there's a reason. It's because it is true. Okay. I hope that helps you. That was my message for today. Um, And I hope those 10 10 tips are something that you can come back to. Okay. Carry on, NARC Troopers. I've got a little message for you about some upcoming things and ways to follow me. Um, Please subscribe and follow so that I can keep creating content to help you like this. Okay, much love. Bye-bye. So one of our holiday gifts gifts to you uh, this holiday season, this has been a rough year, bumpy year for everybody. And to start the new year, off on the right foot. We're having a workshop to help people do that, to help you get into the mindset uh, of healing and transformation and of reimagining yourself so that you're a newer, better, improved version, stronger, more uh, independent, and self partnered, and all that good stuff. So, uh, January 9th, January 9th, we are offering a workshop. And what is it called?
1: Warrior's Path to Wholeness.
0: Warrior's Path to Wholeness. Yes, Yes, we are warriors. Absolutely (laughs) we are. If you're listening to this, you must be a warrior because you want to get better. If you're listening to this, you must be a warrior because you have that fight in you that you are not going to go quietly into that good night. You are going to rise up and you're going to heal. You're going to rise up and you're going to have a resplendent, glittery, shimmery, sparkly, wonderful life that's mm-hmm. just waiting for you to just grab hold of it and live it. And that's what we're hoping 2021 is going to bring to everybody. And we're going to give you some tools. We're going to give you some, some things you can actually put to use right away to help yourself get to where you need to be. You want to talk a little bit about what we're going to do in that workshop? Yep. You
1: can You can check out our registration page, which is going to have some things on it. But what we're really wanting to do is give you as many tools as you pop. from the time you sign up. We're going to email you a couple of things. And during the workshop, we're going to do a lot of demonstration on things that you can do for self-love, self-care, to self-coach to process, to change belief systems, to heal the wounds inside. We're going to leave part of it up to, to listen to what your needs are. So we want to keep it a little bit open, but it will be formatted, but it's to give you as, as much as possible of everything that both Jen and I have learned over the years. And, um, and yeah, I um, all four of the levels <laughs>
0: All four levels of healing. Yes. That's right. Um, I'm going to do something. We're going to do role playing. That will be fun. Where uh, we're going to act out for you sort of, you know, what a dialogue would look like that maybe you need to have. Uh, one of them is like with your friends and family. How do you protect them when you are uh, oversharing and uh, having meltdowns, and you're dysregulated, and you're just in crisis survival mode, how do you protect your friends and family so they don't back away and freak out and think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with this person? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we're going to kind of show what that conversation would be like uh, and teach you how to uh, avoid having these damaged, awkward relationships with people in the aftermath of uh, what happens to you here with your uh, uh, crisis that you're going through. And uh, another one, for example, we're going to do something called a proxy partner, where, you know, a lot of these narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, they have no guilt, no remorse, no empathy, and no capability of saying, I'm sorry, and therefore giving you closure. They show no respect for the relationship that you had. And they don't, allow you to have any dignity as you walk away from that relationship. So um, there's an exercise there called proxy partner, where we're going to talk you through what that closure, what that um, what those messages should have been, what they should have said to you. You're going to get to hear it. Uh, You're going to get to hear that and experience it. And maybe that will help you get a step closer to the kind of closure that really in these situations, you can only give yourself because they're never going to give it to you. They're just not, they're not capable. So that's just a, a couple of examples of some things that we're going to do. And we're going to tag team this and have some conversations, um, you know, that are going to guide you to where you need to be with your um, with your healing journey so that 2021 is going to be the year, it's going to be the transformative, fantastic year that you are going to be reborn. You hear about people being born again. This is a whole new kind of being born again. We're going to be born again into a new life where we are not going to have that disordered person uh, doing what they do to us, and we're not going to be dependent on that disordered person to validate us or to give us what we need. We're going to be able to give ourselves that thing. Yes,
1: yes. And then also um, on the links below, I have a secondary course called The Feminine Current. So for those of you out there that really want to dive deeper into the self-love space, (laughs) yes, then um, that will be available too. But please join us for our workshop on January 9th so we can meet you. It's very... It'll be very minimally par- priced at twenty five dollars a person. Oh yeah! I mean, come on, you're worth the investment there, and we want to we want to support you. We want to give you all the tools that we have mm-hmm. and to help you on your journey.
0: Absolutely. Anyway, we'll see you on January 9th. Okay. All
1: right. Aloha.
0: Bye bye.